You are listening to a message from Sound Words. To find information about our ministry, please visit our website at soundwords.org. You can also download our free app from iTunes or Google Play to access more great sermons. I want to continue what we were involved in studying last Sunday, and that is the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ for his people, the church, which is a coming in the air, not to the earth. So let me just review a little bit with you. We interpret the scripture consistently, literally, historically, grammatically. That means the past, the present, and the future. The basic disagreement uh, that exists among believers is do we interpret the future literally like we do the past? We would say that all prophecy that has been fulfilled has been fulfilled literally. And that establishes the pattern that the future prophecy will also be interpreted literally. And that means the present time in which we are living also is interpreted literally. That means the church and Israel are distinct. They are not blended. Israel, believing Jews, now become part of the church, but God's program with Israel has been put on hold. We'll look at the chart in a moment. It will resume again in the future. Now God is dealing with the nations. And that includes all nations. It includes some Jews. But the focal point of God's work in the world was the Jewish nation until Acts chapter 2 in our New Testament. It will be on the nations, plural, not the nation Israel, from Acts chapter 2 down until the rapture of the church. With the rapture of the church and the removal of all believers, then God will bring to completion the final seven years in that program with Israel. Maybe we could just start with the first chart, the resurrections, and just run through these. We're not going to turn to the scriptures on each of these, but we'll look at them And you can look at the scriptures on your own. These are the resurrections of scripture. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You see the pattern there. You had Christ was the first fruits of the resurrection. And now we're in the church age from the cross, really. 50 days after the cross at the day of Pentecost, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, we have the beginning of the church. And that first stage is what we're talking about, the rapture of the church. You'll note, Christ does not come to the earth at that first stage. He comes in the air and calls all believers to meet him in the air. So we call that the first stage of the second coming. Then seven years after that first stage, he will return to the earth and establish his kingdom and we will have the thousand years which are the first phase of the eternal kingdom i want to be careful here again we take scripture literally and we find revelation 21 and 22 unfold 
continuing the kingdom with some changes, but the kingdom nonetheless continues. There'll be similarities, there'll be great differences, but Christ will rule and reign. So his reign begins at the beginning of the thousand years and continues endlessly. But there's a first thousand year phase. Then God deals with unbelievers. There's the judgment of unbelievers recorded in Revelation 20. And then we move into the eternal phase of the kingdom. Go to the 70 weeks chart next. This just breaks down a little bit finer, if you will. God's program with Israel. This comes from Daniel chapter 9. It begins in 444 B.C. Seventy-sevens are determined upon your people and your nation, your capital city, Jerusalem. Daniel 9 tells us. So we had 69 weeks, and they are seven-year periods, not seven-day periods. They're just called 77s. We know from the context and the rest of Scripture, it's 483 years until Christ comes and is crucified. He's crucified about a week after the end of the 69th week. But we have the 70th week, that last seven-year period, put on hold. And so we have the beginning of the church with uh, the ascension of Christ in Acts chapter 1 and the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told them that he would be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from there. And it's about 50 days, roughly, after the initial crucifixion and resurrection of Christ until the day of Pentecost, that Jewish feast day. And we have the beginning of the church age following the ascension of Christ to heaven from earth. In Acts chapter 1, he ascends and he told them they'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days away. Shortly thereafter, Acts chapter 2 occurs. We have the church age. And then we have the first phase of the second coming, as we had it in the previous chart, where we are caught up to meet Christ in the air. And then seven years later, we will return to earth with Christ. And you have the beginning of the millennium. Just the word, it means a thousand year period. And that's in Revelation chapter 20. At the end of the thousand years, all unbelievers are dealt with. They are judged. They are sentenced to an eternal hell. And we move into the eternal phase of the kingdom. Now, the kingdom doesn't end at the end of a thousand years. We're taking the scripture literally. So when we get to 21 and 22, we find, for example, the tree of life. And you can eat it freely of it. That was all the way back in the Garden of Eden. But it was closed off to Adam and Eve and all their descendants because of sin. But now sin is taken care of, so at the end, as we move into the eternal phase, in Revelation 21 and the first part of chapter 22, we have the eternal phase of the kingdom. Let me just break down for you the distinction. First, we'll look at the rapture of the church and the characteristics of the rapture. Christ meets believers in the air. That's the first thing. 
Then the bodies of believers are glorified. So we have two things going on. We have those who have died who are with Christ come with him. And the bodies of all believers, those who have died during the church age, and those who are alive, those who are alive will be transformed. If the rapture of the church would occur in the next 10 minutes, say, every believer in this auditorium would just disappear bodily because their bodies are going to be transformed. And just prior to that, the bodies of all those who have been part of the church will be raised from the dead, transformed, and they will move back into those bodies. So the dead in Christ rise first, 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us, and then we who are alive and remain are caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So the bodies of believers are glorified and then all believers are taken to heaven. That's the rapture of the church. That's the first phase of the second coming. That's the end of the church age. And roughly the beginning of that last seven-year period where the Antichrist signs an agreement with the nation Israel. That formally begins that period, but roughly shortly after the rapture. The second coming of Christ to earth happens seven years, remember, after the church is raptured. We have that one week, one seven-year period left from the book of Daniel. Christ returns to earth in great glory. At the rapture, he returned in the air. At the second coming to earth, he returns to the earth. He destroys his enemies, and they are all brought before him for judgment. Then you have the beginning of the kingdom, and believers are taken into the kingdom. That will be believers in physical bodies that were saved during that seven-year period. Because remember, that seven-year period after the rapture of the church that takes place on earth, there are no believers on the earth. Because every believer has been raptured and received a glorified body, been transformed, translated. This body is no longer just a physical body. So at the beginning of the seven-year period, there are no believers on the earth. But God now is resuming his program, focusing on the nation Israel. For the first three and a half years, the Antichrist will sign an agreement with the nation Israel. And it will seem there's peace and so on. In the middle of that seven-year period, three and a half years in, he turns against Israel. Then there is the persecution for three and a half years. During that seven-year period, there are people from all nations of the earth that are saved. But God is focusing particularly on the nation Israel. So that by the time the seven-year period is over, you have... The nation as a nation basically turning to Jesus as their Messiah, their Savior, and crying for him to come. So you'll have those in glorified bodies go into the kingdom, but you also have physical bodies going into the kingdom as well. So you have physical bodies, you have glory, because we'll have glorified bodies, the church. David will have a glorified body. Solomon will have a glorified by the prophets, but those who were saved during the seven years 
will have physical bodies, those who are saved during that seven years, and survive because there'll be great persecution. Great numbers will be martyred during that seven years. They'll get glorified bodies at the end of the seven-year period. Okay, that's just an overview of some of what we've talked about. Let's look at the rapture of the church. Remember, that's the next event in God's unfolded plan. And we don't know when. It can happen at any time. Paul wrote to the Romans. He's still living. So we're in the first century. And he says, now your salvation is nearer than when you first began. So this 70 weeks of Daniel become key in identifying the 70th week of Daniel. And I noted I have seven points we're going to look at. I recommended to you, I'll recommend again, John Walvoord's book on the rapture that was done back in the middle 1950s. So before most of you were born. But it's still good. And at the end, in the appendix of that, he has 50 reasons why the church will be raptured before that seven-year period occurs. We're only taking seven because seven's a number of perfection, so I can't do any better than that. But there are more than these. I've just selected these so that we can at least get an idea. The focus of the 70 weeks, and we looked at this point last week, so let me just scan over and see if I want to say anything. This comes from Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 and following. The 70 weeks of Daniel, and it says 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city. So that's for your people, the Jews, Daniel, and your holy city, Jerusalem. That's what we have looked at a little bit in the charts. The church is called the mystery because it wasn't revealed in the Old Testament. There's some indications it would fit in there. For example, when you talk about the 70 weeks of Daniel, you'll say after the 69th week, the Messiah will be cut off. And we noted on the chart that happens about within a week after that 69th week, but it doesn't say in the 70th week. So there's indications there, but there's no real explanation or unfolding of the truth of the existing of the church. It's a mystery. A mystery is something you cannot know, you could never fathom, you couldn't figure out. If you just had the Old Testament, you would say, well, it's after the 69th week. I guess it's in the 70th because he doesn't say anything. Well, when you get to the New Testament, after the rejection of Christ, then we have a fuller unfolding of the 70th week of Daniel. It's called a mystery. And we looked at passages, Romans chapter 11 Colossians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, they refer to the church as a mystery, not before revealed, but now revealed. It's not something new. Oh, God had to change his plan, but God did not reveal his plan until later. So uh, Acts chapter 2, and there it's still not clear. Because for the opening chapters of Acts, after chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, basically, they're Jews being saved. And we say, well, God's just saving Jews. 
But it's with the saving of Paul in Acts chapter 9 that now God is going to focus his saving work on Gentiles. And we're a testimony to that. There may be a few Jews in between, mixed in here, but primarily we're Gentile, and that's true of the church worldwide. It's primarily Gentile. There'll be Gentiles saved after the rapture of the church, but they're primarily God's saving work. We'll be focusing again on the nation Israel. All right, so that's the first point. The focus of the 70 weeks of Daniel indicate a pre-tribulation rapture because as Daniel indicated in Daniel chapter 9 without giving any further information, after the 69th week, Messiah will be cut off. It doesn't say in the 70th. So we go back and read that now, and it's clear to us. So there is the provision for it, even though there is no explanation. Second, the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the church points to a pre-tribulation rapture. Each of these seven reasons we're going to look at emphasize that the rapture, the church being caught up, because all believers have to admit there's a rapture of the church. The word rapture, as we noted in our previous study, doesn't appear in the Bible. But the word harpazo appears in the Bible. H-A-R-P-A-Z-O is how we transliterate it over into English. It means catching away. So the word rapture comes from the Latin word that was used in translating the Bible into Latin, particularly the New Testament. And then we transliterated that word into English and we have rapture. So the rapture of the church, the focus of the 70 weeks, second, the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the church. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would do a unique ministry. Come to John chapter 14. John's gospel chapter 14. Jesus is spending this last night with his disciples. He will be crucified in less than 24 hours. So he's preparing them for that event. In chapter 14, that last night with them after the Last Supper, in chapter 14, down to verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, another comforter. You have in the margin of your Bible, the paraclete, the one called alongside of to give help and to give aid that he may be with you forever, in verse 17, identifies him as the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit who is characterized by truth. Now, the Holy Spirit has always been in existence because we worship the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is going to come in a unique and special way. He's been in existence since the creation. Because back in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep when God began the work of creation. So the Holy Spirit has been present. But he's coming in a unique and special way. He's been present in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written under the direction of the Spirit of God. Peter writes about that. So the Spirit has been present but he's coming in a unique way. I will give you another helper. So when Christ returns to heaven, he's going to send the spirit and a special unique ministry to indwell believers that he may be with you forever, 
the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you, but he will be in you. And that's the change. He's with you, but now I'm going to send him, I'm going to have him take up a unique ministry of dwelling within each of you believers. Christ says, I will come to you. He will be present with them. And so in a way, we have the triune God, even though the focal point of what God is doing in our lives is the ministry of the Spirit. Come over to John 15, verse 26. When the helper comes, that paraclete, that one who comes along to help in a special way, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me and you will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. So it's going to begin with those disciples. But it will continue on then and down through till today. Each one of you who have placed your faith in Christ have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. Not because you attend this church, but because you have a relationship with the living God. Through faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross and faith in him alone. Come over to John 16, continuing John 14, 15. Now John 16, verse 7. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, there's our word, the paraclete, translated helper, the one who will give us aid in that new, unique and special way by dwelling within us, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he explains each of those concerning sin because, concerning righteousness because, verse 11, concerning judgment because. I have many more things to say to you. You cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. In the end of verse 13, he will disclose to you what is to come. So we have now a promise of additional revelation coming from God through the Spirit, through those who have been particularly selected by God, through God the Son. And now he is preparing them for his imminent departure. And it's going to throw them into confusion for a time here. What do we do? They crucified the Messiah of Israel. There's no kingdom. And yet he's raised from the dead. Then we get to Acts chapter 1. What are they going to ask him? Will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? We can understand you had to die. We understand you've explained to us. The end of Luke tells us he explained to them from the Old Testament scriptures how he had to suffer and die and be raised. Okay, now we can have the kingdom, right? And as Acts chapter 1 develops and we go into Acts chapter 2, you don't need to know the times. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And in Acts chapter 1, Christ ascends to the Father. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes in that special way. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the church 
is promised and prophesied in a number of ways. Why don't you come over to Acts chapter 1. For many of you, this is review. Perhaps for most of you. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And they came together again and they asked the question, Lord, verse 6, is it this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? All right, because you see, they don't have the New Testament that gave you the information regarding the church. So it's a natural question. Well, you had to suffer and die. You explained the scriptures to us on that. We understand Isaiah 53. We understand that with a clarity we didn't have before. You had to suffer and die. Now, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the father has affixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And you'll note here, now it's going beyond Israel. Remember back in the Gospels when Jesus sent his disciples out during his earthly ministry, he says, don't go to the Samaritans. Don't go to the Gentiles. You only go to the lost of the house of Israel. Now you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, the end of verse 8, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Wait a minute. My question was, back to verse 6, Lord, is it that this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? There's an answer there. Now, in Acts chapter 3, Peter will preach, believe and we'll have the kingdom. Because he doesn't understand yet. In fact, it will be not until Acts chapter 10, where the Lord gives him special insight and revelation that he understands the gospel's going to Gentiles. So what happens next? Jesus is taken to heaven. Why did he have to go to heaven for the spirit come? Because that's part of the plan of God that when Christ ascends to heaven, he'll send the spirit. The spirit is present because God is omnipresent. He's present everywhere all the time. And that includes the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in the unique ministry he'll carry, he's coming now being sent from the Father to take up a special ministry in the life of each and every believer. So verse 11, this Jesus has been taken up from you into heaven will come just in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. That's the second coming to earth. At the rapture of the church, the end of the church age, before that seven-year period, Christ comes in the air, but he doesn't come to the earth. Now, he's going to come in the same way as you've watched him go to heaven. So that's an indication the kingdom is delayed, humanly speaking, not in the plan of God. No matter you read people who writing, even believers who don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture that we're talking about, they say, oh, well, God had to change his plan is what you're saying. No, God didn't change his plan. But God now makes clear to man what his plan is, which he had not made clear before. He had not made it known. It's a mystery. And now God is revealing it. 
That's why when you get to Acts chapter 10, Peter, when he finally goes to the house of Cornelius, says what? I wouldn't have come to your house if the Lord hadn't given me special revelation and instruction to do so. Why? Because the kingdom's for Israel. We're all about the kingdom. The church is something new. And Paul's going to come into the picture, saved in Acts chapter 9, and then in Acts chapter 11, and uh, following he'll begin his ministry and carry on. And it's to carry it to the Gentiles. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the church. And... His ministry in Acts chapter 1, we looked at, look at Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Therefore, having been, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. You've seen Acts chapter 2, the church began. Now, Peter doesn't understand all that yet because it's a mystery. It hasn't been fully revealed. The church hasn't been revealed before. But he understands because Christ told him the Holy Spirit had to come. You've seen this. And Christ has ascended to the Father. Well, wait, he's supposed to rule on the earth. But no, first he's going to ascend to the Father and he's going to send the Spirit to carry on a ministry on the earth. So we're not going to have the kingdom at this time. Now be careful because many those who profess to be believers, and many of them are, I'm sure, believe, well, now, from now on, we're going to have a spiritual kingdom that exists in the hearts. No, Christ didn't say that. He says, you don't need to know the time and the epics. You don't need to know exactly when God is going to establish the kingdom on the earth. But for right now, the Spirit is going to do a special ministry in and through the hearts and lives of believers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, you don't need to turn there, but Christ said that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. That happened in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 11, may as well turn over there, you're in Acts. Acts chapter 11, verse 16, and the end of verse 15, he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household, And the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. Peter's explaining at Jerusalem what happened to the Gentiles. And this is something new. Oh, there were individual Gentiles saved in the Old Testament. But now being saved in numbers, that's something new. So the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us, also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, the leadership at Jerusalem settles down. In the end of verse 18, when that, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. That's something new. Now again, there have been individual Gentiles saved through the Old Testament, but God's work of salvation primarily focused in the physical nation Israel. Now they see God has granted to the Gentiles the repentance. That paves the way for Paul, who was saved in previous 
chapter 9, but his ministry really won't begin until he undertakes his first missionary journey in chapter 13. The last part of the book of Acts is all about Paul carrying the gospel. He still preaches to Jews, but primarily he's going to Gentiles and Gentiles to Gentiles. And here we are 2,000 years later, the church of Jesus Christ, primarily Gentiles. But God still has seven years left for the nation Israel before the kingdom that has been so promised in the Old Testament. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the church indicates a pre-tribulation rapture. Let's look on. Number three, the absence of the church in Revelation chapter 6 to 18. The absence of the church in Revelation chapter 6 to 18. The first three chapters of the book of Revelation talk all about the church. 19 times in the first three chapters. That's averaging better than a little better than six times a chapter. Three sixes would be 18. You add one more. 19 times in the first three chapters of Revelation, the word church is used. And we have the seven churches addressed in chapters 2 and 3. Then the church is no longer on earth. I take it it's included in the 24 elders in chapters 4 and 5. And uh, then chapter 7, chapter 11, chapter 14, chapter 19. The 24 elders, but they're in heaven with Christ. So the church is mentioned, and then in chapters 4 and following, chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation have to do with the heavenly scene, and the church is there because it's raptured at the end of chapter 3. You have chapters 6 to 19. They include, that includes the 70th week of Daniel. So now we're going to get information on that 70th week in more detail than has been given before. It has been mentioned before, but it hasn't been given the detail that we have now. So the absence of the church is not mentioned at all in chapter 6 to 18, unless it's the 24 elders, but they're in heaven. So chapters 1, 2, and 3 talk to the church. There's letters addressed to seven churches uh, in those first three chapters. And then the church is gone from the earth. And chapters 6 through 19 talk about the coming 70th week of Daniel. So now we can take Daniel and Revelation. And Daniel talked about 70 weeks, 77s, weeks of years, are determined upon your people and your holy city. Well, the church squeezed in there, but they're not part of that 77s, 490 years. Well, after 69 weeks, we just assume the 70th week must have happened. No, we don't. Because again, we had an indication without any explanation. After the 69th week, the Messiah will be cut off. Didn't say in the 70th week in Daniel chapter 9. And that's yet to be understood. That's why the church is a mystery. And we looked at the use of that word mystery in our previous study. Just come to Revelation chapter 19. We won't look at the references 
that the 24 elders, which I think refer to the church, and that's in heaven in Revelation. But look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Who is that? That's the church. And the church has been judged, been rewarded. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. They have been judged and rewarded. Paul talks about this in his first letter to the Corinthians, the coming judgment of believers. So this life, as much as we get absorbed in it, we want to be absorbed in this life with a view to the future because I'm going to be judged not on the basis of what I have, what I enjoy, how much I get to relax, how faithful I have been in obeying the Lord. Then he said to me, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now the marriage supper of the Lamb is a yet future event because blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We, the bride of Christ, the church, have been caught up to meet Christ in the air. We've been taken to heaven. We've been judged. We've been rewarded. We're clothed in righteousness. Now we're going to have the marriage supper. We're now in the Oriental wedding picture. We do return to the home of the bride and we celebrate together. So these are the true words of God. I fell at the feet of the angel to worship the angel for giving me this information. Don't do that. Don't do that. You only worship God. So verse 11, I saw heaven opened. A white horse, he who sat on it, called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges, wages war. And we have Armageddon. But you see, the bride comes with Christ. This is a distinction between the pre-rapture of the church and the post-rapture event. This is now after you know, chapter 6 and following in the book of Revelation. We're at the end of chapter 19. Then we have the war. Satan is bound. Chapter 20 opens up. And the first six verses tell us repeatedly it will be a thousand years. Now again, those who don't take future prophecy literally, all the prophecies were fulfilled literally that have been fulfilled. But now they say, well, a thousand years, you know, it's sort of like we do just a thousand years. That's just endless. No, it's a thousand years. Christ rules and reigns. We rule and reign with him. Everybody going into the millennium, and we have a change here. Everybody going into the 70th week of Daniel after the rapture of the church is an unbeliever. Everybody going into the kingdom, starting at the thousand years, is a believer. So we have the reverse. We have all believers raptured from the earth, caught up to meet Christ in the air and are taken to heaven. Spend seven years in heaven with him and we're judged and we're rewarded and so on. Now at the end of the 70th week, that last seven year period, Christ returns to earth. We return with him. And... There's a judgment, and all unbelievers are consigned to Hades. Then we have the thousand years, and there are people born, and they're born in this perfect kingdom. 
with a perfect king and everything is wonderful. But that doesn't change the heart. Because everyone who is born into this kingdom is a descendant of Adam. We will not be having children in our glorified bodies. We neither marry nor are given in marriage. We are like the angels, Jesus said. So we won't marry in heaven. We won't marry in our glorified body. But there will be people who went into the tribulation and they were saved during that seven-year period. Then at the end of seven years, you have the judgment. And we're going to have the kingdom, but only believers are going into the kingdom. There are 12,000 men from each of the tribes of Israel that are preserved to guarantee that Israel will be faithfully represented and all 12 tribes will be represented. We were told that back in chapter 7, for example, of the book of Revelation. So you see everything God has put together. But now after a thousand years of perfect rule under a perfect king, when given a choice, a number that can't be numbered, there are so many, would rather have Satan as their king than Christ. So there will be judgments meted out during the millennium. And if you die at only 100 years of age, you'll be thought accursed because there was something that God intervened and took your life. But other than that, you'll live the whole thousand years. But you're seething, you're stewing on the inside. So verse 7 of chapter 20 says, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison. And he comes out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners, gather them to war. And the number, the end of verse 8, is like the sand of the seashore. You can't number them. You live for a thousand years under a perfect rule of a perfect king in a perfect environment. And when you're given a choice, you'd rather have the devil be your king. It shows it's not your environment. It's the heart. And there's judgment. Then you have the final judgment of Scripture, the great white throne, where unbelievers are gathered before him, sentenced to an eternal hell, and then 21, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth passed away. There's no longer any sea. I saw the whole city, New Jerusalem, coming down. It's connected, but it's not. It's new. And it's connected to the old, but it's new. I have a lot of questions about this. A hundred trillion years from now, how many people will there be? Well, I guess the Lord knows. I don't know. Yeah, but won't you run out of room? I don't think so. Hmm. Well, there's some things God hasn't revealed. But he has revealed, verse 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He didn't say, I just saw a new place to exist. I just saw heaven come down and we all just... No. The tabernacle of God is among men. And that includes men dwelling on the earth. But all sinners, verse 8, will be excluded. And down in verse 20, chapter 22, he showed me a river of the water of life in the middle of its street, verse 2 of chapter 22, on either side of the river, the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, every fruit in its month. When we're going into eternity, we still have months. So there is the connection, but there is the newness. And we're in eternity. The devil and all of that is gone. 
and we dwell forever with the Lord. So, let's look at number four. We could stop, but then you'd be early. And you'd think that we were already in heaven. (laughs) Number four, the church is promised deliverance from the coming wrath. It's crucial. The church is promised deliverance from God's coming wrath. The 70th week of Daniel, that last seven-year period, is a time of wrath. Come back to Revelation chapter 6, since you're probably in the book of Revelation. Come to chapter 6, look at verse 15. Then the kings of the earth and great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks and mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come. It is a seven-year period of wrath and judgment. Now for the first three and a half years, Israel coasts through. That doesn't mean that believers who become Gentiles who believers who are not followers of Israel, you're out on your own. I mean, those first three and a half years, Israel's rebuilt the temple and all of that. We get to that in chapters 12 and 13. That's fine. They're not saved, but the Antichrist is functioning for them. That doesn't mean functioning for Christians. No, we don't know, but there is a recognition. The great day of his wrath has come, and that's Revelation chapter 6 to 19. Come back just to one passage in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 13. So right about the middle of your Bible. So open up to the middle. If you're in Psalms, go back toward the back of your Bible a little bit. You'll hit Isaiah. If you're in Ezekiel, go forward in your Bible a little bit and you'll hit Isaiah. If you need more help in that, get to the index. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 13, verse 6. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. All hands will fall limp. Every man's heart will melt. They will be terrified Pain and anguish will take hold of them. They will rise like a woman in labor. Verse 9, behold, the day of the Lord is coming. Note that emphasis on the day of the Lord. That's that 70th week. Cruel with fury and burning anger to make the land a desolation. He will exterminate sinners from it. Down to verse 12, I will make mortal man scarcer than pure gold. And people are going to be dying, dying under the judgments of God, of all kind of what we call natural and supernatural disasters that are unfolded in Revelation 6 to 19. You've got the attempt to annihilate any believers by the devil. It's a fierce period. Verse 13, I will make the heavens tremble. The earth will be shaken from its place. The fury of the Lord of hosts in the day of his burning anger. That's just a preliminary. So you see, we jump to that 70th week and then the kingdom. But the church age is not there, the period of time in which we are now living. The church is promised deliverance from this wrath. 
come to 1 Thessalonians on our way back to the book of Revelation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. Look at the end of the verse. You turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus, now note this, who rescues us from the wrath to come. And I take it that he is talking about, come over to chapter 5, verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, encourage one another, build up one another, just as you are doing. He died for us, verse 10. That whether we awake or sleep, we should live together with him. That's the rapture. So the distinction, the rapture was given in detail in chapter 4 of Thessalonians, verses 13 to 18, where Christ comes. Everybody who's a believer is caught up to meet Christ in the air and receives a new body, a glorified body. Well, wait a minute. We saw after a thousand years, there's going to be a number of people rebel against Christ. That's why if you don't take future prophecy literally, you begin to spiritualize and say, well, we're really living in that thousand years because future prophecy is not to be taken literally. So the thousand years just refers to the time in which we're living. And then Christ is going to come and there's going, wait a minute, what do you do if you took Old Testament prophecies about the coming of Christ that way? Then he wouldn't have been born in Bethlehem. They wouldn't have suffered and died. So I think we have to take prophecy literally. The order in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is verses 13 to 18. That's the rapture of the church. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. Verse 16, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. That's what we said, Christ is going to call the living, those bodies, back to existence. And the people who have been spiritually with Christ in their spirit will now be indwelling that glorified physical body. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Wherefore, cover one another with these words. So then immediately following the rapture and translation of that dead physical body that's turned to dust and been dead for 2,000 years or less, now it's caught up and glorified. And then we immediately are caught up to meet him. Well, who's going to do that rebellion at the end of the thousand years? Even if you believe in a rapture, a post-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture, as some professing believers do. Who's going to rebel against him at the end of the thousand years? Well, I guess we're going to have a little bit of time, or some people are going to get in that aren't, And he promised, this is the encouragement to all believers in the church age. Now, chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, now as of the times and next week, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. The day of the Lord. Now, we're talking about the period of time following. That's Isaiah 13. The day of the Lord. This is that period following the rapture. Now we're back, we're into the 70th week of Daniel. Seventy weeks are determined upon your people. 
the day of the Lord will become like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, affliction will come upon them. Suddenly, like labor pains upon a woman with child. Jesus used that same expression, the labor pains of a woman, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 8, where he was referring to this same event, the tribulation period. You are not of darkness that that day would overtake you like a thief. You are all sons of light, sons of day, verse 5. We are not of the darkness. So let's start living like we're sons of light. We look at the world around us and we decide, oh, yeah, and you know, at least they're conservative. At least they, and blah, 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 blah. It has nothing to do with anything. Be careful we don't get caught up into their mold. Even the conservative mold. That doesn't mean when I vote, I'm going to vote for those who are more consistent with the word of God than those who aren't. Perhaps that. But I don't have any hope. This world is not salvageable as it is. It's going to take the 70th week of Daniel following the rapture. It's going to take the millennium. I mean, it's not salvageable. We get so caught up and we're immersed in it and you turn on the television and what our hope is, verse 8, since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet the hope of salvation, for God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation. So whether we live or die, we have a hope. Back to verses 13 to 18 of chapter 4. So he gives us an unfolding. We have the rapture in verses 13 to 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4, and then we have the day of the Lord in the first 11 verses of chapter 5. It's painful. It's going to be unpleasant. It's going to be unpleasant for the nation Israel. God had to seal 12,000 men from each of the tribes to guarantee that Israel would be represented when you get to the end of that seven years and go into the millennium, the kingdom. Now you put how many people are going to die. Well, we read Isaiah. God says, I'm going to make humans more scarce than pure gold on the face of the earth. By the time that seven years is over, people think, well, the seven years have happened. I'll believe and then I'll... No, you won't. I think the rapture seals the fate of those alive Those are those going to be believed. There are going to be believers. But by and large, it's not going to be a pleasant time. The Lord has not destined us for wrath. So then you have to say, well, the seven-year period is not all wrath. Well, it is. We read Revelation chapter 6 at the beginning. It's a time of wrath. It's a time of judgment. God has not destined us as the church for that. Now Israel, they got the worst yet ahead. Some will become believers. Some Gentiles will become believers because there will be those in the millennium. So they had to become believers during the seven-year tribulation. However, will there be people that heard? I don't know. I just know here we are. We have points five, six, and seven. But that's all right I have next week. And so do you unless the Lord comes this week. And then you have to be ready for his coming. Not, well, I attended this church. I've been here since I was born. 
I grew up here. I was baptized here. But have you really placed your faith in Christ? Has it been evidenced by your life is made new? I look around. I see a lot of empty seats. I wonder where are those people? Some of them are in other Bible-believing churches, hearing the word. That's great. Some of them are just out there. I wonder, were they truly saved or did they just get caught up in emotion and then find a reason, an excuse? And I realize some are home, some have COVID, some have one affliction and another. We count you part of this body even though you're not here. But I also realize there are many, they're just gone. Yeah, I, I could give the right answers. Has your life changed? Is it made new? That's the difference. If not, I need to stop and consider, Lord, I may fool others. I can fool myself, but I can't fool God. I can't fool the one who will be my judge. So, hmm, I wonder where I am. I want each of you here to ask that, where am I? Each of you listening on the internet, watching it on television, where am I? I may not be able to be there. It may not be possible for me now. It may not be a good idea for me. But other than that, some people have just taken the COVID as it's an excuse. I don't have to go and, you know, it's COVID. And I need to examine myself, each one individually. And we know because if you are a believer, there's coming a day of wrath, but we're going to elude that. That doesn't mean there won't be difficulties for us in this life. But the ultimate period of wrath is one we are promised deliverance from. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the riches of your word. It is a full word. It is a deep word. It is a complete word. Everything we need to know, everything you need us to know is contained here. There's much more, but we are limited now, and we thank you for your word, the riches of your word, the truth that we can hear and believe and know and understand and then live in light of, and pray that that might be true. Even if we need to make maybe adjustments in our lives as believers, be sure that our life does conform to the word that we believe. Bless this day. Pray for the evening that's before us and our getting together, those who are baptized, the ministry of your truth. Lord, in all these things, we count it a privilege to belong to you, to serve you, to testify of your saving grace. And we pray... In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Sound Words, a ministry of Indian Hills Community Church. Make sure to download our app from iTunes or Google Play for more messages like the one you just heard. If you would like to contact us, please email soundwords at ihcc.org or give us a call at 402-483-4541.